0: So I am going to be reading from uh, Luke chapter 9. This is our gospel reading for today, Transfiguration Sunday. It's Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. About eight days after saying this, Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up onto a mountain to pray. While Jesus was praying, his face changed in appearance and the clothes he wore became dazzlingly white. Suddenly, two people were there talking with Jesus, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory and spoke of the prophecy that Jesus was about to fulfill in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had already fallen into a deep sleep, but awakening, they saw Jesus' glory and the two people who were standing next to him. When the two were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, how good it is for us to be here. Let's set up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter didn't really know what he was saying. While Peter was speaking, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and the disciples grew fearful as the others entered it. Then from the cloud came a voice which said, This is my own, my chosen one, listen to him. When the voice finished speaking, they saw no one but Jesus standing there. The disciples kept quiet, telling nothing of what they had seen at that time to anyone. We hear the voice of God in these words. Okay, so I was just on vacation this past week in snowy Colorado, skiing, resting, enjoying time with family. We laughed a lot, we needed it, because who isn't mindful that a war has started across the world? And what war is mindful of anyone's schedules or personal circumstances? And who won't eventually be affected by a war in our global reality? But right now, the images and stories Matthew mentioned coming out of Ukraine and particularly Mm -hmm. Kyiv and now Karviv are a mixture of terrifying and excruciatingly sad. They weigh heavy on our already heavy hearts. Closer to home here in Texas, we continue to see an assault on the rights and thriving of the trans community and specifically this past week, trans children. And we care because as children of God, we are compelled to love and protect all our siblings, all of us made in the image of God, all of us worthy of the basic dignity of existing in our fullness. And so once again, another heaviness laid upon our hearts. It's all enough to make a person hopeless or worse, apathetic. But then I seriously ask myself this question. Is this the future we give to our children? Will we pass down our hopelessness and apathy to them? And I don't always know the answer, but I know loss of hope ain't it. And I don't always know the answer, but I know apathy ain't it. And I know giving up or giving in is not it. I think about our kids who are watching everything play out right alongside us. They are taking their cues from us in many ways, but if we are smart, we will take our cues from them because what do they have that we often lack or struggle with? Energy and imagination. Maybe this is what Christ meant when he said, be like a child. So it is with energy, and imagination that I am compelled to believe now more than ever that our message of heaven on earth must persist. We must persist in our hope, in our liberation work, in our radical love and disruptive peacemaking. We must cling to our spiritual practices, whatever they may be, so that this persistence is sustainable. And we must remind ourselves, as Tori read, that the spirit of God offers us freedom to do so, so that we don't give way to discouragement or lose heart. In short, we must do the work of expanding our capacity for the things of faith, things unseen, so that we can continue in the work of engaging what we can see playing out right in front of us and on the world stage. So we're in our last week of our very short series called Midwinter Midwifery, and we're talking about the archetype of the midwife as a way of seeing God and particularly seeing God's work in us in the world. When we talk about midwives, we often think about the birth process and the birthing experience because a midwife is a person who assists in giving birth. But the midwife is not limited to simply ushering one into life. The midwife is not limited to a single compartmentalized procedure. One of the things I really love about the imagery of the midwife is their ability to hold many realities at once. And so it is the midwife's incredible capacity that inspires me. As we've been saying again and again for the last few weeks, the midwife imagery is relevant to all of us because here's what we do. And I know this from my own experience. When we talk about birthing, we often talk about the power of it and ignore the pain of it. We talk about the joy of it and ignore the brutally hard. We talk about the gratitude, but any suffering is done in silence. We talk about life, but not so much the instances that end in death. And it's not just our birth stories either, in our country, in our culture, in our churches. We are so quick to celebrate the things of life, but we are not as good at acknowledging the things of death. And so this is why the imagery of the midwife is so important to all of us and can be so healing and so powerful, particularly in these times. The midwife's capacity is, by the very nature of her work, expanded. The midwife's capacity to engage the things of both life and death is abundant. And the midwife teaches us how to move in that same kind of expansion and how to move in that same kind of abundance. And this is something we desperately need as we face our own inner work and healing and as we face our daily lives and as a collective facing so many collective issues. We need the posture of a midwife. We need our own capacity to cope with the realities we are facing to expand. If it sounds like I'm saying we need a miracle, it's because I am. But I'm also saying that the miracle is possible. This is why I'm so grateful that this this series coincides with the story of Transfiguration. Transfiguration Sunday, it's almost always the Sunday right before the season of Lent begins. It's where we are today in what we call the liturgical calendar that we often follow from season to season. But Transfiguration Sunday highlights the story where Jesus takes his closest friends away from the hustle and bustle, away from their current realities, from their stressors, from other people's opinions or influence. He takes them away to an isolated place, to a mountain to pray. And when he does, he is transfigured before them. They had been sleeping But this moment surely jarred them awake as his face became radiant, his clothes dazzling white. Transfiguration means to become completely changed to a more beautiful or spiritual state. And so Jesus became unrecognizable in appearance. And when he became unrecognizable, paradox, he also became fully revealed to them. The whole truth and nothing but the truth is before them now. And y'all, as we know, sometimes the truth hurts Sometimes the truth is too much. And so Peter starts doing what we do when we become uncomfortable, which is just talking into the empty space, unwilling to sit with the moment, unable to absorb it with his own need to talk and do and fix and set things right quickly. And it is in this moment when God speaks into the chaos and says, this is my chosen one, listen. God didn't say talk, fix, do. God said, listen to him. And as we know, our embodied listening looks like following. And we know that Paul would go on to say that we are being transformed into the image we reflect. This is simply the work of the Spirit of God within us. And so just like Peter, John, and James, all we have to do to jumpstart our own process of transfiguration is wake up and listen. Like Jesus, we can become unrecognizable to who we were before when we operated out of shame or trauma or woundedness or pure ego, when we operated out of limited capacity. So not only is transfiguration possible, but it is also the inevitable work of spirit in our lives when we are awake to it and when we're paying enough attention to tend to it. This is the miracle we need in these times. And so to merge with this, with the posture of the midwife, is to say we are capable of becoming people who hold space for it all. The things of life, joy, peace, love, gratitude, and also in the painful, brutally hard in the realities of death. And in our individual and collective abilities to hold space for lament and repentance and grief. We are capable of facing the uncomfortable realities that we personally exist in and not shying away from the collective conversations taking place in these times. The midwife is a hopeful archetype for us because midwives have capacity for all of this. The midwife encounters the most intense grief possible, those inevitable moments of death during a birth. Those inevitable moments when the best day turns into the worst day. Those moments of pain too deep to carry on. The midwife continues showing up, risking the heavy burden of grief for the chance of life, holding vigil when all hopes of life are dashed. This is capacity that I can only describe as miraculous. Cultivating this capacity, this movement toward transfiguration, is hard and gritty work. It involves a level of listening that maybe we aren't so practiced in, but it's not impossible. The miracle is in reach. It is available to us in the form of our own Imago day, the image of God already within us, already carving out space, the space we need to carry on. The first line of our text today says this, About eight days after saying this, Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went onto a mountain to pray. If you're curious what it was that Jesus told them eight days prior, I went ahead and looked for you. Verse 27. (laughs) I got you, I got you. He said this, he said, there are some standing here right now who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. See, the image of transfiguration is not some far-off hope it is not some otherworldly expectation transfiguration can happen now and don't get it twisted y'all i'm cognizant of what i'm asking of us i'm aware that to believe in something so radical as transfiguration within us right here right now is a lot to ask it's almost too much on top of what we already endure Even without the collective layer, there's already so much suffering among us right here in this room. But here's the thing, this expansion within us is not only for the sake of our ability to hold the pain. It is also for the sake of our ability to fully embrace our needed moments of joy, of rest, of laughter, of vacation, of community. And it is enough to call all those things, both spiritual practice and beautiful resistance at once. I'm not saying to neglect any of those good moments. By all means, let these joyful, happy moments come when they can. Create them as often as you are able, and call them energy. Call them fuel for this journey of refusing to close ourselves off to the work of the world. Call them capacity creators, expanding us, transfiguring us into whole people who have the stamina to face every moment fully. For the sake of our children's future, for the sake of our own peace and joy, for the sake of this world in which we have been called to the work of heaven on earth, may we listen and may we follow embodying the way of the transfigured Christ, reflecting that same glory that continues to compel us. Amen.